0: From LibertyCast Studios and the Defenders of Capitalism Project, here's another Capital Idea from your host, Mike Williams. Mike Williams here, defender and champion of laissez-faire capitalism. Welcome back to another episode of Capital Idea. This is Michael Williams with the Defenders of Capitalism Project, and I thought we would talk about today the 1040 Blues.
1: Oh, I love taxes, Mike.
0: Yeah, taxes is an interesting topic for anyone who's at all a student of free markets because they're the opposite, right? When we talk about freedom and the individual to be able to do what they want with their life, their property, their mind, their behavior, what we mean as defenders of capitalism is that they have that right. They have the freedom to be able to act, to think, to act, to act on their thoughts, to produce what they want to, to consume what they want to. To behave how they want to until they violate someone else's rights, and in that sense, uh, my view is that taxes themselves are a violation of rights. It's taking money from someone, and obviously, there's a whole history of, well, we have to do this in the in the public interest, and so we need to take money from you. You have to pay money for some protection, some police, you know, defense, and so forth. And we're not going to. I don't want to spend this entire episode on that issue. Because we have a tax code, we have an entire monstrous tax system
1: apparatus. Apparatus—that's a good <laughs> word for it.
0: That's a fairly neutral word, right? It's—it's an—it's a system. It's an apparatus. It's a thing that exists, and we're not going to eliminate that today. We do—I do, do want to plant seeds for any of our listeners to think about: Do we really need a tax system? You know, do we need a system of coercion for us to actually have the kinds of things that they think are necessary? And I think I would agree with them at least on a small portion of things. You know, such as police, courts, so forth. We might disagree on you know what the role of government is there. Uh, not might, we certainly would with most people. I mean, that that is the point of the founders and the constitution was to very narrowly limit the scope of government's role, but that's a whole nother topic, right? I wanna to touch on just how someone, and this is addressed, this issue should be addressed at younger people. People who are listening to this and thinking about capitalism maybe, but they're they're starting their career, starting to earn money. And then they're going, what's this whole tax thing? You know, I get a paycheck and I I thought I earned this much. I mean, do you remember the first time you earned a paycheck and you thought, well, here's what I thought I was earning. But wait, this is what I get. Yeah, it's not fun. It's (laughs) a sad moment. (laughs) So do you remember that when you actually got your first paycheck and had that experience?
1: You know what's funny? I don't remember my first paycheck. I remember, of course, my first job. And my first few paychecks, and being disappointed that I wasn't getting everything that I wanted <laughs> uh, because of taxes.
0: And most people, you know, they they have that experience. Okay, I, I got a job, and I'm uh, maybe it's not, you know, maybe the first jobs you had were you know chores from your parents, right? right. Okay, the you under do the table, <laughs> right under the table. The black market of of the parent paying their child for chores. But we're talking about your first official paycheck, where you're getting this paycheck and withholding happening. And that whole topic of withholding. But most people accept that pretty easily, right? Okay, well, uh, this is just the, this is the deal. You know, yeah. You're in a, a society, and we have this thing called taxes. And you just kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's what they do. They, they, they take money out of my paycheck, and they call it taxes, and, and it goes to pay for all kinds of things maybe in my mind things that are good and maybe in my mind things that are bad, most people don't ever get the education of saying, well, what, what does it actually go toward on the local, state, and federal levels, not to mention FICA and Social Security and and, the, and those taxes, which are categorized differently. So it's more of an education, I think, that should be happening uh, to young people or with young people about this issue of taxes. First of all, it's force. Uh, you don't have a choice, right? When you got that first paycheck, you you're not saying, well... Let me opt in or let me opt out, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could choose to withhold
1: nothing. Right. And then just decide to pay it all
0: at the end. So I guess that's your choice. (laughs) That is a choice, although that's a very difficult choice for most people to make. I mean, the company makes it difficult and the the sort of culture makes it difficult for you to go, well, and even potentially your own short-sightedness, because most people in today's world certainly would probably not save. They wouldn't say, "Okay, I'm going to have zero withheld out of my paycheck, but I know I'm going to have this tax bill at the end, so let me make sure I'm making quote estimates, and then adding up to the end of the, you know, end of the year, so I've got enough on deposit or to deposit with the IRS or the the, you know, the state Department of Revenue wherever I live. You know, I've got enough to be able to pay that. But but people don't think about it that way, and and um, this is one of the reasons why I think every young person should do some kind of entrepreneurial job where they're having to either prepare their own taxes or do estimates. So they just get, they get some practice with being able to say, okay, this is what this means. I, you know, I either have to have my employer, which in this case, if I'm, if I'm being entrepreneurial, I'm a, quote self-employed, I'm under a contract. I have to do that. I have to actually do the process, the exercise of saying, well, how much taxes do I need to have withheld to make sure I don't have a big penalty that I'm gonna pay at the end of the year? I think that's a good exercise for people to do because most people just kind of get, as I said, sucked into it. You know, I got a paycheck now. I'm happy that I earned some money. Maybe I like my job, and I'm 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 gonna you know make progress and be able to earn money to do the things that I want with my life and buy the things that I want. But oh, okay, here's this percentage that comes out right off the top. But the, I wanted to talk about the tax code generally. Withholding is one thing, and I don't I don't know if we've talked about this before. This is to the eternal shame of Milton Friedman, who's normally considered to be a hero in free market circles, right, For, of people who believe in the power of capitalism. Most people think uh, Milton Friedman is one of the best, and he was, but he actually was one of the problems as a fairly young doctoral candidate uh, or a graduate uh, with a doctorate in economics out of the University of Chicago, I think. He went to work for the the government, and this was during the wartime, and he actually was instrumental in creating a tax withholding system. Prior to that, we had taxes, but people just wrote out checks at the end of the year, or they, maybe they made some estimates, but they didn't have the employer do the withholding throughout the year or, or throughout each and every paycheck. And that's something that I think has created a monster in the sense that most people just go along with it. They don't; They're not aware of what happens. They know they have money that's taken out, and it kind of vaguely, they go along with it. But the, if they had to write that check every year— Oh, psychologically, it's completely different. Right, right. And, well, that's part of the reason why
1: withholding is such a good idea on the government's part. Because psychologically, it's not nearly as painful. Because right. by the time the money gets to your hands, it taxes are already taken out. Right.
0: We got you covered. We're taking care of this, so— You don't, you don't feel don't the sense
1: about. of loss. Right. But you write the check at the end of the year, you have the tangible sense of the money that is being taken from you to the government. But I will say, Mike, you know, on Milton Friedman's behalf— don't let the sins of our youth define us. You know, we've all done things we're not proud of.
0: No, and that's true. And, and I think that, that uh, he, he was quoted several times later in his life of saying that was a big mistake on his part. And, yeah. and we certainly shouldn't hold him—we uh, should hold him accountable for that, but we should realize all the positives that he did in terms of defining and, uh, and defending and championing uh, the, the free market system. But I wanted to talk about the, the tax code more broadly, um, the problems of it, what it is. I mean, do you think there's a, a mission statement that's understandable that the IRS or that the Congress has for this tax code? Do they say, okay, here's here's our purpose? No. To take money as painfully as possible? I you don't think, know. You think they want to take it as painfully as possible? They wouldn't have the withholding then. They, no. Well, just know. as you said, they they're, they're basically trying to set up so— We can take as much as we can and not have you feel it. Maybe make you numb to it, right? Well, I think
1: numb to having the money taken out. But what's still painful is having to go through the filing
0: process.
1: I think that's stupid.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, most people believe that's kind of brain damage. And that's why there's an army of uh, tax accountants, right? Yeah. Uh, That America has to just get your taxes done. There is actually a mission statement at the IRS. Oh, and it's it reads. I'll just read a little bit of it here. It says, "Provide America's taxpayers top quality service by helping them understand and meet their tax responsibilities and enforce the law with integrity and fairness to all." What do you think of that mission statement? Eh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: I mean, at least they tried to have a mission statement. I guess that's better than I thought. Yeah,
0: no, that's 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 good that they have have a purpose, and uh, you know, it's got lots of uh, you know kind of. Positive sounding words. They want top quality tax, uh, top quality service. I don't know anybody who deals with the IRS who actually feels that way. I mean, if I don't know if you've spent any time on the phone with the IRS or, or tried to get answers about filling out your tax return. But most people I know who have uh, much of a tax return to fill out don't think that the IRS is a good source of information about filling out the tax return. They, no. They have to go to an accountant.
1: I have had to look at the IRS website. Fortunately, never needed to call them.
0: Yeah. But the bigger thing is that, you know, it, it, I don't necessarily hold the IRS responsible for this. I do think that there, the IRS itself probably attracts people who want to enforce the law that way and in a sense that's the law enforcement function, but it's Congress itself and probably the, you know, the staffers, the senior staffers on congressional uh, senatorial committees and the Treasury Department who are writing this stuff up, right? Who are saying, okay, here's the tax law. Yeah. And um, so they have, obviously they want to maximize revenue in some sense, right? But in another sense, they're trying to steer behavior, right? I mean, think about all the ways that you have social engineering going on with the, the IRS tax code. And it's, again, something I think young people should learn about by not only having to fill out their own tax, tax forms, you know, learning about that process of withholding, learning about deductions as opposed to allowances, as opposed to credits. There's all this, this whole language of the tax code. What, what do you mean by social engineering? So, I mean, what they're trying to do is shape behavior. Social engineering, in my mind, means that they're trying to say, okay, we want you to do certain things. So, for example... I mean they they'll give you a, uh, a mo- what's called a mortgage interest deduction. If you if you buy a house and you have a mortgage, you have debt on that house. And most people when they buy their first house, they're they're applying for and getting a mortgage. Most of the the house is bought with borrowed money. Yeah. And they're fair they're paying interest. Well, you get to take that interest. Again, this isn't in all cases. But uh, if you file a Schedule A and have itemized deductions and you, ha- and you meet certain requirements and you dance around a circle and quack like a duck five times, then maybe you get to deduct that interest off your tax return. And that reduces the amount of taxes you pay. So they're trying to encourage home ownership through borrowing by that rule, right? If they give you a deduction for having a child, if you get a, cha- a, tax credit, a child tax credit, that's incenting some behavior. Yeah. And
1: we'll, and this is why I think it's really important for people to know that, because when you think about doing your taxes, you just think about, I'm just doing my taxes. But there are so many things in there that really are. It's some politician's pipe dream. The child tax credit, Marco Rubio loves that stuff. He wants to figure out how to get the tax system set up so people are having as many babies as possible and you're getting as much money back from the government as possible, <laughs> you know. But I think it's funny, like, even the way that taxes are filed, right? Are you single? Are you married filing separately? Married filing jointly? I, I always just want to write in other and
0: say, why does it matter? Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean by social engineering. There's all kinds of, of uh, pieces of the tax code that incent certain behavior. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, you know, all of us say, okay, I could get a tax credit for a child having a child, or I could get a charitable, inter- or charitable deduction for giving money to charities. That doesn't mean everybody does that, but on the margin, it's incenting behavior. It's saying, "Okay, we'll reward you or give you the kind of carrot for this kind of behavior. If you make this kind of contribution to your church or to a uh, to a charity, then we'll we'll let you take it off your taxes." But then we also penalize certain behavior. Um, so it's, that's what I mean by social engineering: is is trying to say we want to reward this kind of behavior. This is what it means to be good American, or this is what it means to be. Uh, to be someone who's, um, you know, contributing to the cause of having a a better society in their minds.
1: Now, why would that be bad, Mike? Like, I mean, don't we want people to get money back from the government if they have a kid? I mean, that's nice to have a little extra money in the parents' pocket, right?
0: Well, should all people have kids? I mean, do we want to do, quote, we... I mean, is that the proper role of government? This is one of the fundamental questions people who listen to this podcast know, we repeat a lot of times what is the proper role of government well is it to to incent more baby making well, Is it to incent more housing you know home ownership is it more, yes to, and yes well that's the that's <laughs> the but that's that is social engineering and and I think that has certain consequences now I mean a person could say. You know, we have a more stable society if we have more kids or if people have families or if they live in their home, if they live and own uh, the home that they live in, then we have more, quote, stability. I think that that's all, again, social engineering and oftentimes has unintended consequences. I mean, one unintended consequence is that potentially people have more babies than they ought to or that they can afford or that they really are willing to make the commitment and investment to raising.
1: I, I agree, Mike. Um, I was being a little facetious, you know, with my saying, yes, that's the proper roll the tax code answer. But, you know, Marco Rubio, he doesn't actually know what's good for quote unquote, you know, all of America. People who want to have kids should have kids. And people who don't want to have kids should not have kids. And it's about the freedom to do what you want. And the
0: government's just going to leave you alone. Well, that's, that's our definition, right? That's our view. The well, that's proper, our view, yeah. Our view is that uh, a, a person should be able to conduct their life and their affairs toward their own ends. They should be able to decide whether they want to have children or live in a house or rent or whatever it might be. But you're right, that, that by implication, and whether it's Rubio or Senator Warren or pick your senator, right?
1: Yeah, I was just being mean towards Marco Rubio <laughs> because I got a bone to pick with him on other things, so it just felt like I needed to <laughs>
0: single him out. Well, and you could probably come up with—they all have their own little pet projects, and they all have their own viewpoint of what the role of government is in terms of the kind of behavior they want to see. Right. Versus what I think is the original founding view of freedom being the, the, the you know, protection of rights, and therefore of freedom of individuals to be free— from coercion, from the coercion of the state, that is the that is the proper role of government. But it, it's just amazing how this monster, and again, you, you call it an apparatus, I call it a monstrosity of a tax code, has has uh, come about. And you know, it, it, it's extremely complex. I mean, the, the system is notorious about its complexity. Uh, I, I don't know how many pages of regulations and uh, extensive coding language that says here's what. It means to comply. And again, this is why it's challenging for any individual or business to actually understand what they owe, what their obligation is, let alone me thinking, no, that, that shouldn't be there in the first place. It's just very difficult for people to really comprehend, okay, how do, how do I know whether I've paid enough in? How do I know whether I should get some back? How, how do I know whether I'm complying, uh, you know, complying with the law? And it leads to all kinds of errors, um, and, again, this is why we have—I uh, mean, uh, you know, we, we sometimes talk about jobs on this, this uh, podcast, but um, you know, the, the, in one sense, the IRS tax code could be you know, the, the full employment for tax attorneys and accountants act, right? I mean, uh, everyone needs—beyond a very simple 1040 tax return, most people have to hire someone to even get it done. Well,
1: an H&R Block lobbies— to not have our tax code simplified.
0: Yeah, and isn't, isn't that a sinister that thing? That is messed up. Yeah. Even beyond that, it's amazing. And again, hopefully this will resonate with young people who are using either H&R Block or a TurboTax or somebody like that because they do the same thing. And they, have, they make deals with the IRS. They basically say, okay, if we can get someone to file their tax return through our software program... And we'll, we'll say it's for free, but the young person who goes on there and says, okay, now I want to print it off. Well, guess what? It was free when you were doing the return, but if you want to print it off and have a copy, you're paying a fee. Oh, you want to do your state return too? <laughs> That's right. There's a fee. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a business model. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, again, we're capitalists. We're all in favor of software companies coming up with great ideas on terms of oh, yeah. how to how to make money and add value to their customers' lives. But if they're making a deal with the instrument of force, if they're making a deal with the IRS saying, let's get people trained to use this system and to not really question. You know, uh, if someone actually goes through that process of using TurboTax, now it's it's like, Oh, well, we'll we'll go out and look at your bank statements already. We already can pre-populate these fields cuz we've got the the technology to say, guess what, Wells Fargo or Bank of America, they're already feeding that information into the IRS and they'll feed it immediately into the TurboTax program. So you don't worry, we got you covered. This is going we're going to make it easy for you. We're going to yeah. make it as painless as possible, but before you know it, you're you're uh numb to even more numb to the idea of, well, this is what I have to do, this is what they do, you know, this is what the, the process is, not even questioning about how is this money being spent, how are they trying to incent my behavior. So it's not only a question of complexity, but it's also of motives. Now, there's also the issue of, does the tax code, does the IRS tax code comply with the, the rule of law requirement of saying we treat people equally? no. What do you mean by that? Are you, you were well, I think, we, I think we just, you know, went through a lot of examples
1: of how could, how could everyone be treated equally under the law when the tax code—I mean, it's one question after another of, you know, did you do this? Did you buy a home? Did you have a kid? Are you married? Are you single? That's not equality under the law. What about the general idea of a progressive tax code? See, I, yeah, well, and I think, you know, the further along that I get in my career, where, you know, thankfully, I get to experience different tax brackets than I did in my very first job, you realize that it's, (laughs) it's an aggravating system to think, okay, well, now when I start making over this amount, you know, an even larger percentage of that money is going to be taken out now. And it's arbitrary. It is just because Congress and staffers, like you said, Mike, have said, okay, well, you know, you get to this certain level, eh, I think, uh, you know, whatever. I think 30% over over this amount of money, that sounds pretty good. We'll take that out of your paycheck above this amount. It's just arbitrary and unfair and not right, I don't think.
0: I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. And and that's part of what I want to make sure that we're talking about is that that it is arbitrary. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Now, now, there are a lot of people out there that think a progressive tax is the only way to go. You know, As you earn more money, you benefit more from, quote, society, and therefore you should pay more into the system. And you
1: can pay more. You can afford to. So you too, should.
0: And therefore you should. Now, I happen to be uh, of the view that taxes are forced and coercion uh, is a violation of rights, and therefore taxes themselves are a violation of rights, that we shouldn't have such a system. But I think, I think a more just system would be a regressive tax. My view is that the people who actually are the least productive, the lowest earners, are the ones who are actually taking more advantage of the system that we have in terms of government programs, and therefore they should pay a higher percentage of their, of their earnings in taxes, that would create the actual incentive for people to be more productive versus actually penalizing productivity and earnings. Now, again, that's a controversial statement. I was going to say, you just, that
1: was, you just dropped that, Mike, like a bomb. <laughs> I didn't actually expect that.
0: No, I, I actually believe that. Uh, a, a, again, it's, it's a, a very minority opinion. Uh, most people would think that's horrific, but it is my view that, that uh, what we're doing right now is actually penalizing productivity. The other part of it is it creates this cronyous system, right? Because you have all these, quote, loopholes and deductions. And then so people think, oh, those rich people don't even pay their taxes, not realizing that the wealthy people you know, pay the most taxes in the world. Now, sometimes people don't understand the difference between a capital gains tax, ordinary income tax, well- Can we talk about that for a
1: second too, Mike? Because I want to get this off my chest on capital gains taxes, okay? Back in 2012, Mitt Romney says he wants to lower the capital gains tax. Everybody says, oh, he's a rich asshole. He doesn't understand anything. But capital gains taxes, which, you know, if if you're not as familiar with capital gains taxes, you know, that's money that you're making from your sale of equities. And, of course, our dividends are also... Uh, tax that we get when companies issue dividends. And I think what a lot of people don't really understand about the capital gains tax is that a lot of times, particularly when you're taxing dividends from a company, you're taxing money that's already been taxed. That, That company paid taxes to pass along a dividend to you, which is now being taxed again. And that seems so stupid to me. And capital gains tax, I mean, what did the government do for that money? So I happen to sell a stock at a higher price than I bought it for. So 15% of that
0: money goes away now? I mean, what an arbitrary system. It is. It's absolutely arbitrary across the board. And in some ways, that's that's another sinister part of the program is that if they can— if they can have it be arbitrary and no one can figure it out, then it ends up perpetuating itself. No one can really explain, well, this is why you have to do it this way. People just accept it. You know, it's a, more of a, uh, a numbness to the control that's being exerted on them. You, know, you mentioned Mitt Romney, and I think that's worthwhile kind of bringing up again. He made a, a real big tactical error in defending capital gains tax cuts. And, and, it, and when he was running for president, I don't know if you remember this, but he was supposedly in a, in a room of private donors and he mentioned the actual fact. I mean, it, it is a true fact and people don't realize this, but he was saying that 47% of the American people don't even pay any taxes. And he's right on a net basis. It's actually worse than that now. I mean, today, half the, the highest earners, if you take the the top 50% of all taxpayers, they pay now, at the time, it was probably in, in the area of 98, 97, 98% of all income taxes. Today, it's probably even more than that. It's probably higher than that. And what he means, what he said was, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are at the lower end of the earnings spectrum who are net receivers of government benefits and not net taxpayers, which is a fact. I remember that, actually, Mike. He immediately
1: went on the defensive. He did. But he did say one other kind of not nice thing, because he said it's not, my, it's not my job to worry about those people. Which, as president of the United States, you know, he's president for everybody. That's right. So he did make another unforced error.
0: Well, He he did, absolutely. He absolutely did, and he did it in the sense of trying to appeal to what he thought were the monetary and financial economic interests of his donors. Yeah. And in a sense, it was factual, but what he was doing was saying, like you said, those people don't care, I care about the people who are donating to me versus the people who can't afford to donate to me right uh, but that's what you end up having is a system i mean it's 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 cynical and sinister in a sense that you have and it's not like the you know his opponent Barack Obama had any different facts at, right no, but he did have he did try to appeal to the little guy, try to appeal to the person who. Isn't really paying taxes at all and and thinks he's being ripped off by the fact that he's not being paying not paying any taxes and not getting enough government benefits because some fat cat who's donating to the Mitt Romney is the one who's getting all the benefits It's a perversion and, and the only way that it, it gets perpetuated is because you don't have people who are articulately saying here are the facts. And here are the consequences. And here's the morality of it. There's no one out there. I mean, Mitt Romney was woefully unprepared to be able to say, you know, it, it's a moral issue here. You know, should someone who's earning have to pay for other people? That's a real issue. Now, Barack Obama, and and you know, he, it was just his opponent at the time, but uh, people who were on quote the left have no no compunction whatsoever saying. Yes, you owe it. You didn't build that. You owe society. You owe the the little guy. Versus someone saying, why? Why do I owe the little guy? Why do I, just because I'm productive, why do I owe that to my fellow man? Why? No one's asking that question. And certainly Mitt Romney was unprepared to be able to do that.
1: Well, I think Mike, you kind of just opened up another door that I I don't think we have the several hours needed to get into it right now. But you are talking about the concept of being your brother's keeper. I am, and I wouldn't I wouldn't just say that's a leftist argument. I mean, no, you're right. You're right. And and I think that's kind of how you just well. That, yeah, I'm, I'm, glad it. You,
0: I'm glad you're actually uh, correcting me or uh, pointing that out because I'm saying that Mitt Romney was woefully unprepared to actually articulate anything other than the same thing that Barack Obama does. He, he, you know, he said it in a group of donors, but then he would immediately went on the defensive and on his heels because he couldn't make that moral case that I'm not my brother's keeper. I mean, he basically believes the same thing. And that's one of the, the, the biggest issues is you have two parties, two political ideologies that both agree on that. They both agree that you are your brother's keeper. And so the one that's more consistent is actually going to win elections who actually is more morally confident because they actually believe what they're saying versus uh, the right, oftentimes the Republicans who, who say they're for free markets and yeah, a person should be able to keep what they earn and yeah, we have too much government, but really I am my brother's keeper and, and all the moral arguments that uh, Barack Obama makes, I'm, I'm in agreement with.
1: Well, I, think, I do think though that there's people you know, on the quote unquote right who would say, I don't want taxes forcefully taken away from me I want the freedom to be able to put money where I want, but I do believe that I owe something to my fellow man. I'm going to donate money to this cause or donate money to this cause. I just wanted to make that distinction. That, that's not just like a leftist <laughs> phenomenon. No, you're, right.
0: you're absolutely right. Yeah. So there's the issue that you know, I bring up, and that's probably the biggest one. The moral issue is the biggest one. The equality versus inequality, the progressive versus regressive tax rates the purpose of the taxes in the first place. But there's, there's this whole other thing that comes up as far as tax evasion and fraud. I mean, when you have this complexity and you have what many believe is punitive tax rates, punitive and you know, significant burden, you know, when you're talking about having half of your income, if you're a productive person, taken away from you, uh, that's half of your life's work you know, for that year. You know, yeah. The time and energy and the passion that you put into the earnings that you, that you earned Half of it's being taken away from you. They're they're taking away some of your life, um, and that creates en- enormous incentives for people to evade, to avoid, to to somehow not pay. And and again, the tax code is is creating all kinds of you know quote loopholes that allow people to to and, and incent people to do things to say let me re- let me reduce my tax bill as much as I can. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of efforts the IRS has to prevent such tax evasion and fraud. But just recently, there was uh, in the recent budget there was this highly publicized uh, eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents to try to keep the American people in line to 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 make sure compliance happens. Now, again, the IRS might say, "No, we just want to serve the taxpayer. We want to make sure we're we're providing service and top-notch service to to make sure that they're clear on how they can comply." But it really boils down to compliance and to try to uh, prosecute people for for such evasion. And we mentioned already the compliance costs, the enormous cost to our economy of having people try to figure out, even if they're not trying to evade things, just trying to figure out what they owe and whether they're complying at all. So what's our
1: big takeaway, Mike?
0: So the big takeaway, I think, is for young people to really understand, to not be passive, to not be passive about the taxes that they pay. They may feel like they don't have a whole lot of control, Obviously, it means they should be politically involved, and they should they should understand uh, what the taxes are going to. Uh, they should understand. You know, this is a whole other episode for our podcast. We've talked about it some in the past, and we'll be talking about more in the future. It's a never-ending thing, uh, at least in my lifetime. To talk about the debt that's been created, because the the taxes themselves are not enough for the spending machine in Washington. They spend they spend more than they take in in revenue, so they have to borrow, and, th- and that's creating a future obligation on the part of tax taxpayers. So my main point is for young people to have a better understanding of the tax code itself. You know whether they're agreeing with my ideology of individual rights and having a properly limited government and human flourishing in the best system to actually in history to create such human flourishing that's one thing but i would advocate that they understand the tax code better understand these issues whether it's the complexity issue the moral issue most importantly and the incentives that are out there i think that's that's the main takeaway